0: I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 John, chapter 2. I don't know about you, but this seemed like it has been a long week. (laughs) Missing last Sunday seemed like, I don't know, it just seems like it's been forever since we've been together. I long for us to be together and to fellowship and to worship together. I praise the Lord for the privilege that we have here this morning. The Apostle John, he is dealing with a subject that I think that we all can identify with. As our song that our choir just got through singing about the signs of the times. And knowing that in the day and the hour that we're living in appears that Jesus could come back. At any moment. The Bible reminds us, as John talks about, of the last days. Now, he talked about that 2,000 years ago. I wonder what he would say if he was living today. 1 John chapter 2. We're going to begin reading in verse 18. And we're going to be reading throughout the chapter of chapter 2. So would your Bibles open? Would you stand with me in reverence of reading God's holy, infallible, inerrant word of God? Now, he addresses us as little children. You remember two Sundays ago, we talked about the spiritual levels of individuals. He says there are some that are little children. There are those that are young men. And then he says there are some of those of us are as fathers. But when he addresses everyone, he addresses them as little children. So he's addressing us today as little children. It is the last hour. And you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Now, you're going to notice something here in this passage of Scripture, that he speaks about the Antichrist singular, and then he talks about the Antichrist plural, that there are many Antichrists, but yet there is one one particular Antichrist that we're going to refer to here today. He says, even now many Antichrists have come, By which we know that it is the last hour. I think about the hour that we're living in today. I think about the tragedies that is going on. I think about the signs of the times that has come to pass. I think about the moral way has gone down the drain. I think about immorality. I think about the hardships of mankind. Are we not living in the last hour? I believe we are. He says in verse 19, he begins to give us some characteristics of what that day is going to look like. He says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they have been of us, They would not have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar. But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is antichrist. Who denies the father and the son. Whoever denies the son does not have the father either. He who acknowledges the son has the father also. Therefore. Let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. And what you have heard from the beginning abides in you. And you, will, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. And is true. And it's not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him that when he appears, that we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we come together today. Looking forward to that hour and to that day that when Jesus Christ will split the eastern sky and will rapture His church and to take His body, His bride, back home with Him. What a joyous occasion that will be. But Lord, beforehand, the Bible reminds us that we will be living in perilous days, days that would be hard to accept. Days will be a days of deception. Days of immorality. Days of great dread. Father, may the Spirit of God be upon us here today. Anoint us, fill us with Your Spirit. Anoint us with Your power that we might be able to take the Word of God and allow the Spirit of God to part truth here before us today. May it bring honor and glory to your precious name. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As you're being seated, I'm reminded of the story that you probably no doubt have heard, but it certainly fits the... Setting of the hour that we're living in today. Of old farmer and his wife was laying in the bed and he was awakened by the, uh, grandfather clock as it began to strike. And he began to count those strikes upon that clock and what was so amazement, it went all the way up to seventeen. Old farmer woke his wife up and he says, Wake up, Delhi. It's later than it's ever been before. I believe that is so true today. Do you not agree? That it's later than it's ever been before. The Bible says that we're headed to some perilous days. Perilous times. Times of debauchery. Times of great hardship times of trouble. When I began to think about that, I think of several factors. I think, first of all, I think about the intercession factor. More than ever, the church needs to be upon its knees. When we began to think about the coming of the Lord, and we think about in the last days, and we think about of what is headed for this particular world, our church and individuals should be upon their knees being, coming before the throne of God, praying for God's blessings and His protection upon our lives and upon the lives of our families. So there is what I would call intercession factor, but soul winning factor. More than ever, there should be a time then like it is today for us to be able to go and to share the good news of the gospel. And to realize there are people that are waiting for somebody to come and tell them that God loves the world and that God gave His Son that they might have life in life everlasting. I don't believe there's a greater day, a greater opportunity than what we have here today than to see people coming to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. What a testimony. We had this morning a young boy giving testimony that Christ had given him eternal life. What a testimony of an elderly lady coming and giving testimony that at her age that she was in need of Christ being in the center of her life. And coming forward today giving that testimony, that should bless every one of our hearts. And give us the right to understand that if there's ever a time to share the need of the gospel, it is of today. But not only an intercession factor, not only a soul winning factor, but a family factor. I cringe for my family. I cringe for my children as I think of the world that they're growing up in today. I should be praying for God's anointing and God's protecting blanket upon my family. And if there's ever that I need to understand the Word of God, ever a time, it is today that I will not be deceived and that my family will not be deceived. But there's a great comforting factor to know that God is still on the throne. And that nothing comes this way without His approval. And that God's grace and protecting power is upon us today. I want to share with you a couple truths here as we look at this passage of Scripture for a few moments. Because what John is trying to do to us today is to teach us that this is a day and an hour that we need to be aware and awake of what God is trying to teach us of the Word of God. Go back to verse 18 for a few moments. You'll notice at the back of the bulletin there is an outline for you to follow along with us. And so I encourage you to follow along, because what, what John is doing, he's giving us a word of warning. He is telling us today that we need to, first of all, to be aware that there is one that is coming upon the scene that is called the Antichrist. The Antichrist. The word anti literally means against or in the replace of. And so immediately you begin to realize that there is one that is going to be coming upon the scene that is coming against the Lord Jesus Christ. That's coming to replace the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what he says in verse 18. We've read this a few moments ago. Little children. It is the last hour as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Now my friend, this is not a myth. This is not a make-believe. John is saying in the latter hour. Of this world as we know of it today. There is one that is coming. And he is going to come to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came and Jesus spoke that as I have come. You have now can see me as well as the father. The Antichrist will come and he can say, as you now can see me, you can see my father, which is Satan himself. The Bible have gives certain names of the Antichrist. He is the devil himself. He is the son of perdition, son of judgment. That there will come a day and time and an hour that Jesus will condemn him into the lake of fire, fly, the lake of fire, But until that particular day comes, He's going to come with all the forces of evil, as you can possibly imagine, coming upon the face of this earth. He is referred to as the lawless one. The one that comes and breaks all the laws of God. He is one that will come, as the Bible refers to, as the beast. Speaking of his cruelty. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse three. Listen to this. He says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there will come a falling away first and that the man of sin will be revealed the son of perdition. A great falling away, a day of apostasy. Is what John is referring to and what the Apostle Paul is referring to there in 2 Thessalonians. He is the devil's Messiah. He is the visible expression of the invisible devil himself. Several characteristics about it. First of all, he's very devilish. Very devilish. He opposes God. He exalts himself. He wants to be worshiped. And one day he will sit there in the temple of God and demand to be worshiped. As I said, Jesus says, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father and the devil himself could say the same very thing as well. Satan does not want just casualty. He wants converts. And that's exactly what we're seeing today. There seems to be a great falling away from the church. A great falling away from Christianity. It's not by accident, but it's the times that we're living in. But he's very divisive. Very divisive. One of the ways that Satan comes, he tries to divide your attention of who Jesus Christ is. I don't want you to take for granted that he is just the son of God. But my friend, I want you to understand that he is God himself. And he come and he has come before us today to demonstrate who God really is. The Lord Jesus Christ is one that has come to demonstrate the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. But yet we have movements in our world today to deliberately deny who Jesus Christ really is. He's very divisive. First Thessalonians, excuse me, first Timothy chapter four, verse one. Listen to these words. Now the Spirit speaketh expressingly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of the devil. There's people that are members of local churches that because of seducing spirits, they have left their churches and they have joined a cause. My friend, this is the signs of the times. He's very divisive, dividing churches and dividing the works of God. If there's anything that the devil wants to do, he wants to divide the fold. If there's anything that the devil wants to do, he wants to destroy a local fellowship of the church. And he does anything and everything he possibly can to do that very, very thing. He's very divisive. He's very devilish. Very deceptive. Look what the Bible says in verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. In other words, he's talking to believers right now. He's saying, you've got the Word of God before you. He says, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist, who denies the Father and the Son. Very deceptive. He doesn't mind you joining a local church. He doesn't mind you being baptized. He doesn't mind you giving testimony that Jesus is the Son of God. He just don't want you to bow down to His Lordship. He don't want you to yield to His authority. He don't want you to yield to Him being Lord of your life. And my friend, how many we have in our churches today... They can give all the right answers. But they've missed the most important thing by 18 inches. They know Christ in their head, but they've never experienced him in their heart. And when times comes of discouragement, times comes of division, times come of where there's divisiveness, they fall by the wayside. And he says, I don't want you to do this. Go back and look at 1 John chapter 4 just for a moment. Look what he says in verses 1, 2, and 3. See, it really doesn't matter what you write about. If you're wrong about the Lord Jesus Christ and his lordship, you're wrong about everything. Listen to what he says in verse 4 I mean, verse 1 of chapter 4. Beloved, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. That's why I tell you to bring your Bibles. I don't care whether it's me that's standing in this pulpit or whoever is standing in this pulpit. Don't take their word for granted. Unless it abides by the word of God, my friend... We're not to believe them. That's why you don't want to just listen to just anybody. That's why you don't want to just read behind just any author or any particular teacher or any particular pastor or preacher. My friend, unless it lines up direct with the Word of God, the Bible says, don't believe them. Look what he says in verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children. And have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. He comes very deceptive. He comes very destructive. Wanting to destroy. Everlasting life does not mean eternal life, my friend. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. I've just chosen to spend it in the no-smoking zone. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. But you've got to decide where you're going to spend it. And that is through the Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus and Jesus only. So number one, be aware. We need to be aware. But number two, we need to be awake. Look what the Bible says in verse 19. The Bible says in verse 19 of chapter 2. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they have been of us, they would not have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us we have in our churches what is called casualties. How many times, how many times have we seen people join our church or a church and they get baptized? And then the next thing you know, you turn around and you wonder, whatever happened to so-and-so? Whatever happened to whatchamacallit? Because they're no longer coming. They have fallen by the wayside. What has happened? Well, my friend, these are casualties. Satan has blinded them. There are several things that you might want to recognize by them. Number one, their profession. They're members of, they become members of a church, but they're not members of the church. I am grateful to be a part of this church. But I want you to understand, I'd rather be a part of the church than even a part of this church. But you can be members of both, which I am. And I trust that you are as well. That you take this serious. That as you come and you join the church, you've come to... Make yourself available to be used of God in the midst of that church. Not to hurt the church, but to help the church. And so, there are those that are members of a church... Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. John MacArthur said this about this verse. He says this verse is probably one of the most scariest verses in the Bible. Not everyone says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's frightening. That is frightening. Verbally, but not in their heart. They call Him Lord. And the Bible talks about their professions. But the Bible also speaks about the problem. The problem is you don't know who these people are. It's hard to identify who these are. In fact, you think about, of the twelve disciples, there was one of those disciples that fits this description, Judas. Why, if you was to ask any one of those disciples, do you believe that Judas was a Judas, a betrayer, a denier, a robber, a thief, one that has denied the lordship of Jesus Christ? Do you believe that it was Judas? Not one would have agreed with you. Why? They, complimented by him being the treasurer of the twelve. You just don't hand the money over to somebody that you don't trust, that you don't have confidence in. So it makes it difficult, does it not, to identify those people that, who claim to know Christ and yet they really don't know Christ. They're members of the church for the, all the wrong reasons. And so the Bible says, these presents a problem. But then I think about the Perseverance. The perseverance. He's not saying in verse 19 that the church that will, will save you, but he's saying that if you are saved, you'll stay in the church. Look what he says in verse 19, the first part of this passage of Scripture. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they have been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, but that none of them were of us. When I read this passage of Scripture the other week and I was studying, I immediately went back of an experience I had numbers of years ago. I went to college with this young man by the name of Doug. He was a ministerial student just like I was. He was one of the smartest, brightest young men I have ever met in my life. In fact, as a sophomore in college, he would do his devotions through the Greek literature. It was amazing of how committed this guy was. One of the best preachers, one of the best teachers I have ever experienced or sat under in my life. Pastored one of the larger churches in Gastonia, North Carolina. All of a sudden, out of the blue, old Doug leaves his wife. Leaves his two children. He abandons his position as pastor of that church. About several months after all this took place, I ran into Doug. Doug had long hair, had a long beard. His clothes looked like he had slept in. And I said, Doug, what's going on? And this is what he said to me. I'm an agnostic. What did you say? I'm an agnostic. I don't believe and I don't even care whether there is a God. Now, how in the world can a man appear to be so rich and so on fire for the Lord one moment and then in the next moment be of the opposite? He were among us, but he were not of us. That's why, my friend, Satan will try to do everything he can to deceive us so that he can destroy you. He destroyed this guy's testimony. He destroyed his life and destroyed his ministry. God never was a believer. Whatever happened to him, I don't know. But here was a guy that started out so strong and yet ended up in such a way that can only be described as Satan himself. Well, what am I supposed to do if I'm a child of God and I'm living in the latter days? I need to be awake, I need to be aware, but I also need to be abiding. I need to be abiding. Look what the Bible says in verse 26. The Bible says in verse 26, These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. In the last days, there will be false prophets that will try to deceive you. And it will come in such a subtle way. They have just enough religion to be dangerous. They know just enough of the Bible to destroy you. I'm amazed of many of the famous cults today that we have in our world and our society have come from Christian churches. Sun Young Moon was raised in a Presbyterian home. Joseph Smith, founder of the Mormons, was reared in a Presbyterian home. William Miller, founder of the Seven Day Adventists, was a licensed Baptist preacher. Charles L. A. Russell, founded the Jehovah's Witness, was a Presbyterian at one time. Mary Baker Eddy founded the Christian Scientist, was a Congregationalist, and reared in a very strict Christian home. And they all became apostates. And they leave an apostate religion. See... Parents, I want you to understand, it's not all enough for us to teach our children what to know, but we need to teach them why they know it. Amen. You have a responsibility, my friend, because I want you to understand, they're under your care at this time, but there will come a day where they'll go off to college or go off to some other place and find themselves under teachings that would be contrary to what you believe. First of all, I want you to know that you should be abiding in the Word of God. The safest place is the Word of God. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 24. Therefore, let that abide in you that you heard from the beginning. If what you've heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Talking about The Word of God. Abide means to remain. Abide means to stay steadfast. They tell us that the way that they train these men and women as professionals to uh, detect counterfeiters today is that they are trained to know the real thing. know it so well that when they see something that is not real, immediately they detect that it's not real. That's why, my friend, you can't pick up this Bible once a Sunday and dust the dust off of it and come to church and think that you're being fed and growing and maturing and developing in the ways of God. But it must take a steady diet day by day, day by day, and digesting the Word and allowing the Word to become true and real in your life and that you mature in the full understanding of the Word of God. See, the way that you know the Father is through the Son and the way that you know the Son is through the Word, the Word of God. But you not only abide in the Word of God, but you abide in the Spirit of God. Look what the Bible says in verse 27. The Bible says in verse 27, but the anointing, underline that word, but the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone to teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you, Concerning all things. And it's true. And it's not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. Anointing. To remain. To abide. The word anointing means unction. Back during the Old Testament days, prophet, priest, and king. When they would get ready to go out and perform a particular duty. They would pour all upon them, as symbolic as the anointing of God's Holy Spirit would be upon them. At the moment of the new birth, the Holy Spirit of God anointed you to be able to interpret the Word and to be able to, to part the Word and to understand and grow in the Word. Protects you. See, I can share with you truth, but only the Holy Spirit can part truth with you. If it was not for the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the Antichrist could deceive even the elect. The very elect. So don't be so... Such a one that stands up with great pride and says, Ha, I can never be deceived. But Satan himself could deceive us all if it was not for the help and the work of the Holy Spirit. But thirdly, we should not only abide in the Spirit of God and in the Word of God, but also in the church of God one of the greatest blessings that God has given to us is a Bible-preaching, teaching church. Is it perfect? Of course not. Because we have imperfect people that is a part of the congregation. You have an imperfect pastor, but you do have a perfect word. And you have a perfect Son of God. And you have a perfect Spirit of God. And that God has come and He has brought this church together. And that we might learn and grow and mature that we will not be deceived. And so, my friend, the greatest thing you can do is to be a part of the local church. A Bible-believing Preaching, teaching, church. Not just a part of a church. There's many churches out there today that do not understand or believe this Bible. But you need to be a part of a church that preaches it, that teaches it, and that lives it. That's why I encourage people today That when you move, find you a church. Find you a Bible-believing church and get in it. Because you may be surprised that if you don't, through your discouragement and through deception, you end up believing a lie. God help us. God help us. That we will not find ourselves an apostate, were a part of the church, but they left because they were not of the church. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? The Bible says, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of God. For a few moments now, would you allow the Holy Spirit of God to take inspection of your life? I'm not asking you if you're a member of this church. If you are, that's fine and well. I'm asking you, have you ever come to that point in place that you have bended a knee, bowed before the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and not only called Him Lord, but allowed Him and made Him Lord of your life? Have you done that? If you haven't, I'm going to encourage you to do that. Because I'm here to tell you that if you have not done that, Satan has deceived you. And through pride, he's going to continue deceiving you. And my friend, my greatest fear is that you will die and go straight to a a devil's hell. What a tragedy. It's a tragedy for a murderer, a drunkard, an adulterer to die and go to hell. But my friend, it's a triple tragedy for a person to sing in a choir, to go to church, to teach a Sunday school class, to attend a Bible-believing church and die and go to hell. Today. Today is a day of inspection. Today is a day of reckoning. I'm going to invite you to come and give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. And don't be one of those that were among us, but they left us because they were not of us. Father, Father, the words that John shares with us today are frightening words. But there are the dangers of the signs of the times that we're living in. May the Spirit of God enlighten us, protect us, anoint us, and keep us. Lord Jesus, have your will and way in this appointed moment. In Jesus we pray.